When Benjamin Franklin left Independence Hall just after the second drafting, he was approached by a woman on the street. The woman said, Mr. Franklin, what manner of government have you bequeathed us? And Franklin said, a republic, madam. If you can keep it. The responsibility of a country is not in the hands of a privileged few. We are strong and we are free from tyranny as long as each one of us remembers his or her duty as a citizen. Whether it's to report a pothole at the top of your street or lies in a State of the Union address, speak out, ask those questions, demand that truth. Democracy is not a free ride, man, I'm here to tell you. But this is where we live. And if we do our job, this is where our children will live. God bless you. Hi, everybody. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event once again. Started with that clip from the movie Fair Game. I don't know how many of you saw it, but it was a great, it's a great quote from Benjamin Franklin. And, uh, you know, if you can keep it. You know, when Benjamin Franklin said, we bequeath you a republic if you can keep it. If you can keep it. That means it's a it's a real hard job for a country to stay commit, committed to the amount of liberty that uh, the Constitution allows us and to keep it straight. And uh, and to you know keep people free without stepping on people's toes or without taking away freedoms and keep you can't keep everybody happy. We weren't designed to keep everybody happy. We weren't promised equal result. We were promised equal opportunity. The results are up up to each individual in this country, and that's what makes America great. And as the G20 is going on in in Europe, it's all about capitalism. And as the protesters are there protesting capitalism. You know, for those of you millennials out there, capitalism is what sets America apart from everybody else. And that's why America has been so successful the last 241 years. Well, with maybe with a little exception for the last eight, um, where we're kind of stepped on our own, uh, well, shoelaces. <clears throat> anyway, we're going to talk a lot about what's going on and a lot of, a lot of stuff that will uh, eh, maybe make you think. But first, let me introduce myself. My name's Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender, located right here in Southern California, offices all over the area. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are fantastic opportunities in real estate, whether you're looking to refinance, buy, or do a reverse mortgage, um, you need financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One more time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone because you'd rather uh, cyber me, you'd rather email, you'd rather do something, you know, and contact through a non-voice, verbal, voice, you know, voice inflection and tone of voice kind of uh, interaction, Go to WCCLoans.com, click on uh, Apply Now, click on the Loan Center, then Apply Now, put in as much information as you want, tell me how much information you want back, you'll hear back from uh, either myself or one of my teammates, and we'll help fill in the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. If you're not sure about what's going on, hey, you know what, I got a house here, and I got a house there, I got this going on, I got that going on, you want to say, what, you know, should I be thinking about refinancing, should I think about this, thinking about that? I had a couple that actually came in and they you know they want to buy another house 
they're not sure if they just want to refinance and pull some money out or if they want to sell one of their rental properties. And after we sat, sat in my office for an hour, I said, you know, here's what you need to do. 1031 exchange that house over there because that house is a pain in your butt and you don't really want to have that rental and it's got some equity. Get rid of it. It's a, it's, you know, you're, you're make a little bit of money, but it's not enough to, for the, the inconvenience. This is really what's going to make you happy, right? And they go, yeah, I like that idea. <clears throat> because I'll help you I'll help you get to the I'll help you get to the bottom line of what you're looking for. If you if there's any part of this show you want repeated, uh you can go to uh, edhoffman.net, click on the click on the uh uh podcast page and you can listen to it on demand anytime. You can also get the main event podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes. Be sure to connect with the show on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, E D H O F F M A N. I don't know how many different ways there are to spell Ed and uh but there's a few uh, that people send me stuff. Uh, and uh, But I tweet, tweet about current events all week long, some weeks more than others, and you can like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. So uh, before we dive into what's going on, I have a, in studio uh, my my regular guest, Mr. Scott McAfee, proprietor of uh, Don's Bikes in Rialto and Redlands, uh, one of the top 100 bike shops in, the, in America, as rated by who? As rated by, actually, the bike industry gave us that award, Top right. 100 Bike Shop. Right. And we just got the Sun Telegram and Redlands Daily Facts um, Best Bike Shop in the Inland Empire award. Really? So that was kind of cool. That's all because of the main event. And Absolutely. Everybody, everybody, <laughs> everybody that's listening, all every, right. Everybody goes there. So, Scott, welcome back. Thanks, Ed. It's great to be back. It's and been the like, mic. It's been like four or five weeks since it we has. Were here. It has, but the mic is still warm, Ed. Yes, it is. And, uh, and uh, later in September, you're actually going to solo a show for me, maybe two of them, because I'm going on a cruise. Score. And uh, so we're going to, so, uh, so you know, I'll keep you warmed up in between now and then. Please so, do. So, you know what, one of the things, one of the things that isn't on our script that I want, I was going to talk about, I was yeah. talking to some people over 4th of July weekend, and I was talking to my trainer this morning about where the future is going and uh, where the jobs are going and, uh, and say, you know what? What's gonna go on? Do you think the robots are gonna take over everything? And you know, and I say, you know what? It's something you got to think about, and you watch where the careers are of, of of the future. But the one thing that one thing that I see that nobody wants to talk about is the fact that the Muslim population is growing so fast. You know, their their average family is eight kids to a family, and our average family in America is is uh, two point three. In a, in Europe, it's one point three, and it's it's a mathematical certainty that. Whether it's ten years or twenty years from now, there's going to be so many, so many Muslim people growing up that are, and you can see what's happening in Europe right now. Our only chance is to secure our borders, build that wall, and have some kind of a uh, of common sense that hey, the only the only way we're going to keep our country from becoming what Europe is becoming now is to wake up, open our eyes. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a clash of civilizations here, Ed. And again, you can look at Europe and the problem, and one of the main differences between Europe and the United States is in Europe, there seems like there's no... There's no reaction against this. I mean, I keep looking over the thing. Okay, what what are they actually going to do to save their countries? And and the answer is not much. It's going to be too little, too late. Um, exactly. Exactly. And say, hey, you know what? If and you you see the the people protesting what Trump wants to do with the travel ban. You see him protesting what he wants to do with uh, with our trade deals. You see him protesting every little thing he's trying to do. They don't want the wall. They don't want this. This isn't who we are. Guess what? Who we are is not who we're gonna be ten years from now, twenty years from now. And I say, and I could see I could see this happening. You know what? I hope I live. I hope I live to be a hundred years old. But um, I don't really want to see this happen. 
you know, I just as soon check out before it, before it happens, but I'm trying to do what I can to inform our kids inform, and, and I say by our kids is, is every millennial that you come in contact with, they don't have to call you mom or dad. You need to be talking about this, talking some sense, especially here in California where, where common sense is not that available. I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't seem to be a lot of common sense that when it comes to ballot time, we go to the, we go to the ballot box and, you know, we, we let people that don't, don't know how to spell USA, um, vote. And you can just see, you could see what's going on. You can see what's going on simply by going to the grocery store and seeing how long the lines are because nobody wants to pay 10 cents for a bag. And, you know, so they're, box boys are taking so much time to fit everything into your bags that you brought in so you don't have to do it say you know what you could give away 300 bags an hour and and save all those lines because that extra line is just an extra hour of of labor and those guys that work at the grocery store make good money that's what i would do if i owned a grocery store but anyway we're getting way off topic so uh any comments on any of that no not really other than yeah i mean we're definitely in a culture war when you talk about islam i mean that the interesting thing is just it seems like the left is almost in collusion with islam right because they'll protest everything under the sun except europeans and americans being massacred by islamic terrorists i don't see any protests about that ed yeah and i, and I don't see and i don't see you know when when we have something going on in our society that's not us we stand up and protest it, but the, the the quote unquote good peaceful Muslims they're not standing up and saying, "Hey, you're making us all look bad. You need to stop this." And and going on a uh, a uh, a civil war between their their own. They don't. They're they're not in. They're not engaging in that because maybe they're scared. They're gonna get killed too. I don't know. I digress. We can. Uh, well, this will be an ongoing ongoing thing. Ongoing. Uh, uh, discussion, but I was discussing it this morning with uh, Margo, my trainer, and and we just I said, you know, what? I'm gonna bring that up with Scott on the radio today. Okay. So anyway, let's let's talk about uh, the since it started out the slow week, the slow news week this week. <laughs> I got to throw in that stuff. Um, the biggest story for three whole days was an internet meme used by an old uh, used that was used in old WWE video of Trump pretending to beat up a wrestler uh, with the CNN logo over the wrestler's face. Let's unpack this ridiculous story. The meme originally appeared on a thread on a website called Reddit, uh, created by a guy who called himself Hans A-Hole Solo. Hans Solo with an A-Hole in the middle. Okay. Uh, no one cared about it until President Trump uh, tweeted it on Sunday, sending the media into a frenzy. Hours later, CNN Reliable Sources host Brian Stelter tweeted a link to Twitter's hateful conduct policy in an attempt to prove that President was in violation of Twitter's user terms. Other mainstream media types on Twitter said they would join him in uh, reporting the president's tweet as hate speech. Since there isn't much hard news over July 4th weekend, um, they don't seem to care much about actual news anyway. Well, last last July 4th weekend, we were talking about Hillary and Comey, uh, but I remember that just because it happened to stand out in my mind. Uh, but since there wasn't much news this year on July 4th weekend, CNN devoted plenty of time to continue covering this over the next several days. Then on Wednesday, CNN host Anna Cabrera announced that the network had finally found the culprit and it forced him to apologize. The Reddit user behind it posted his apology after CNN identified and tried to contact him. He apologized for some of his other posts that were racist and anti-Semitic. CNN is not publishing the user's name because of his apology, his removal of all the offensive posts, and his pledge not to repeat this behavior on social media. Yeah, they had to. They had him make a formal request to Reddit to 
get the name of the... They had to make a formal request to Reddit to get the name of the user, then contacted him, forced him to write a long apology. Uh, obviously, they went through a lot of trouble to threaten him and shame him uh, into this. Why? If Fox did that every time someone cyber bullied them, who knows? But I'll, I'll read just a little piece of this apology that he put out. My fellow Redditors, first of all, I would like to apologize to members of the Reddit community for getting this site and its sub embroiled in a controversy that should never have happened. I'd also like to apologize for the posts made that were racist, bigoted, and anti-Semitic. I am in no way that kind of person. This, so this sounds like a, a Barack Obama speech. This is just not who we are. I love and accept people of all walks of life and have done, done so for my entire life. I'm not the person that the media portrays me to be in real life. I was trolling and posting things to get a reaction from, from subs on, on Reddit and never meant any of the hateful things I said in those posts. I would never support any kind of violence or actions against others simply for what they believe uh, in their religion or their lifestyle they choose to have. Nor would I carry out violence against anyone based on that support for anyone who did. As time went on, I be it became an addiction as to how far I could go with the posts that were made. This has been an extreme wake-up call to always consider how others may think or feel about what is being said before clicking the submit button anywhere online that opinion is allowed. Free speech is a right we all have, but it shouldn't be used in a manner that it, that it was in the posts that were put on this site. Just because you are behind a keyboard doesn't mean you can't hurt someone with your words or cause a situation such as the one where simple meme is misconstrued and calling for violence. I have to, I have to vomit. Scott? Um, you know, it's funny that anything that is determined as hate speech is generally something that they don't like, right? So anything that goes against them, they'll go ahead and call a hate speech. By the way, I do love the president's tweets. Am I the only one that loves those tweets, Ed? I, I love those tweets. I love too. the tweets. I don't care. I and mean, they may, you know, I know people, wow, they're very unpresidential, Scott. Well, that may be true, but that's not what we put in the Oval Office. We put in somebody that's actually going to fight back. That's kind of a novelty, isn't it, Ed? Yes. Uh, the other comment is, what is Reddit doing giving out this guy's identity to anybody, right? I mean, they shouldn't be doing that. That that should be a privileged, confidential thing. Why are they giving that guy's identity to CNN? And I notice, I notice even on Twitter, some of the things that I see see go on on Twitter and Facebook that people put uh, phony. They put, you know, hey, Hans A-Hole Solo up there. They put an anonymous name so they can say stuff that they really think without having anybody criticize them for it. Hmm. I don't know. I just don't uh, take much credibility in the people that that put a phony name up there because uh, obviously they have nothing to lose. Hey, if no one knows who said it, it's right. what what we all it's things that people think but do not say. Yes, sounds like a. Line so we elected a president to say it for us. <laughs> exactly, but then then they call him on the carpet and he says, "Oh, I never meant this." Right. Yeah, it's probably what you did mean. Andrew Kaczynski, senior editor of CNN's K-File, said in a written statement that CNN has chosen to withhold the man's identity for the time being because he's a private citizen who has issued an extensive statement of apology, showed his remorse by saying he's taken down all his offending posts and because he said he's not going to repeat this ugly behavior on social media again, but then came after a rather ominous ending. CNN reserves the right to, re right to publish his identity should any of that change. Uh, it looks like he, they're talking about like disciplining a child here. Like if he ever does it again, boy, we're gonna pull his name out. I mean, that's how ridiculous this whole thing sounds. Exactly, exactly. And you know, I just don't buy. I don't buy the apology. I don't buy any of this stuff. And you know, it's he's a private citizen, and he did this, and he's showing remorse. He feels bad for it. He killed somebody, but he feels bad for it. So we're just gonna let it go. Kind of like what Hillary Clinton did. Well, she didn't. 
I don't see any signs that she really meant to break the law. So her intention wasn't there. So we're just going to ignore the laws. You know, if we just enforce the laws in this country, there wouldn't be any need for a lot of the stuff that Trump is having to do because uh, people would just follow the rules. But we don't do that anymore. On Thursday, outnumbered judge on Thursday's outnumbered judge Janine Pirro pointed out the legal term for this is blackmail. CNN is very cognizant of the fact that if they release this guy's name, he will be subject to all kinds of hate, possibly physical injury, his family, his job. There are tremendous consequences. You've got in New York coercion in the second degree where if someone has a right to do something and you say, if you do that, like free speech, if you do that, then we are going to expose you to hatred or possible personal injury. And you've also got a federal statute. So now they have to look very seriously by saying to this guy who did the meme, look, if you've got a promise that you won't do anything like this again, and if you don't, we're not going to leak this out at your name or who you are. That's extortion. That's blackmail. This is not near the line. It's on the line. It's also kind of like, uh, hey, if you promise not to, uh, if you promise not to be a terrorist, we're going to let you in from, uh, Syria or uh, or any of those other bad countries that we want to do the travel in. Do you promise you're not a terrorist? Okay, as long as you promise and cross your heart and hope to die, stick a needle in your eye, as long as you promise, then we won't. Except for what happens when you do it. Oh, you blew yourself up anyway. You just took 50 people down with you. So, uh, well, we promise. Well, you know, and I think, I think when, you know, I, I, one thing I would say is this is going over the line. And I find it ironic that CNN has the arrogance to report this story. Like they have the arrogance to almost admit to say, we bullied this guy into submission, right? Exactly. And that's basically what they're saying. Don't they have lawyers at CNN? Well, I'm sure they got tons of them, obviously. Uh, you know, look, I, I can't wait to make my own CNN bashing video. So when you see that the little name and it's Obi-Wan A-Holy, that maybe that'll be me. Okay. <laughs> Okay, Obi Wan. I'll call it. I'll be a whole Yoda. Okay. <laughs> okay. Nice. Okay. CNN looks pretty desperate here, and it's inspired the. It, it actually inspired a hashtag. Hashtag CNN blackmail. In the end, who won this battle? I think President Trump. What CNN did was uh, unfortunate for them. As you know now, they have some pretty serious problems. Uh, they have been fake news for a long time. I think they've hurt themselves very badly, very, very badly. And what we want to see in the United States is honest, beautiful, free, but honest press. We want to see fair press. Yeah, we're a long way from that. Uh, shall we go on to the next subject? Sure. I love the the fact that CNN has to report this, too. Isn't that kind of embarrassing to report their own crap? Um, maybe they just don't see it. <laughs> maybe they don't report Maybe they it. hadn't looked in the mirror before they went on, before they went on camera. Mm. I don't know. So uh, so while American media was focused on president's tweets all week, other countries are rightfully treating him like he's a serious world leader. And unlike our last president, he doesn't have to use an apology tour to win their favor. President went on the non-apology tour this week, traveling to Europe for the G20 summit, where he was greeted graciously by Poland. Listen to two minutes of his speech and try to tell me this guy's not presidential. Our two countries share a special bond forged by unique histories and national characters. It's a fellowship that exists only among people who have fought and bled and died for freedom. The signs of this friendship stand in our nation's capital. Just steps from the White House, we've raised statues of men, 
with names like Pulaski and Kosciuszko. The same is true in Warsaw, where street signs carry the name of George Washington and a monument stands to one of the world's greatest heroes, Ronald Reagan. And so I am here today not just to visit an old ally, but to hold it up as an example for others who seek freedom and who wish to summon the courage and the will to defend our civilization. The story of Poland is the story of a people who have never lost hope, who have never been broken, and who have never, ever forgotten who they are. And in case you couldn't understand it, the people in Poland are are chanting, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump. I don't know. I never heard him say, Barack Obama, Barack Obama. <clears throat> it's amazing. We don't have any clips yet of this meeting with uh, with uh, Vladimir Putin, but apparently uh, the meeting went on with, uh, with Rex Tillerson and Donald Trump and uh, Putin and wh- whoever else was in there. And they came out and... Apparently, the early the early thing that they announced was there's a ceasefire starting Monday in Syria um, that involved Jordan, Russia, um, United States, and one other country. One Israel, Israel that they all uh, agreed to a a, uh, a a ceasefire. So you know it just goes to show. Hey, maybe if we just talk to these people and say, hey. What's your what's your intentions? Maybe we get somewhere. So let, I think you're completely wrong. This is proof of Russian collusion. <laughs> yeah, the right. fact that he met with Putin is proof now. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, but no, no proof when anybody else meets with Putin. Right. Okay. Right. So let's talk about North Korea. As you probably heard, uh, they finally had a successful intercontinental uh, missile test, which they symbolically launched on July 4th to stick it to us on Independence Day. Experts say that unlike North Korea's other test launches, this inter- intercontinental ballistic missile has the range to potentially hit the United States via Alaska. Now you may be wondering, uh, where did this tiny country? Listen to this part. Where this tiny? This is a this is an eye-opening thing that we found. Uh, where did the tiny country get the money to build nuclear weapons? The answer is from its two biggest enemies, South Korea and the United States, and it's all thanks to Bill Clinton. In 1994, President Clinton signed an agreement similar to Obama's agreement with Iran. The deal gave billions of dollars to the nation for supposedly peaceful purposes, which North Korea turned around and used to make nuclear missiles. Here's Clinton, 23 years ago, telling the American people that what a great deal it was. This is a good deal for the United States. North Korea will freeze and then dismantle its nuclear program. South Korea and our other allies will be better protected. The entire world will be safer as we slow the spread of nuclear weapons. South Korea, with support from Japan and other nations, will bear most of the cost of providing North Korea with fuel to make up for the nuclear energy it is losing. And they will pay for an alternative power system for North Korea that will allow them to produce electricity while making it much harder for them to produce nuclear weapons. Another way Trump uh, differs from the presidents like Clinton and Obama, here he is in Poland again, responding to the question about handling North Korea. 
As far as North Korea is concerned, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I don't like to talk about what I have planned. But I have some pretty severe things that we're thinking about. That doesn't mean we're going to do them. I don't draw red lines. President Obama drew a red line, and I was the one that made it look a little bit better than it was. But that could have been done a lot sooner, and you wouldn't have had the same situation that you have right now in Syria. That was a big mistake. I have to wonder how Barack Obama feels when he when Trump just puts it, rubs his nose in this stuff. I think that's so funny, and and again, it's so unpresidential, but it's so damn funny. I know, and it's so <laughs> and it's so and it's so real. This is the way yeah. it is, folks. Hey, you know what? Obama made us look stupid. Trump's making us look strong. Uh, God bless America. God bless uh, President Trump. And uh, I'm excited. Hey, uh, we're out of time for this uh, first half of the main event. We're going to be back after five minutes of uh, commercials and traffic and weather. And we're going to talk about some more uh, local stuff going on. Don't go away. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. I don't talk a lot about mortgage financing or real estate on the on my show because for the most part, it's boring unless you're in the market. But if you're in the market for a refinance or a purchase or a reverse mortgage and you want to talk to someone who thinks like you, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Also, uh, don't forget the main event listener hotline where you can leave me a voicemail. Tell me what you think of the show. Tell me if you disagree. Tell me if you agree. Tell me if you like me. Tell me if you don't, because uh, I don't really care. I know everybody's got their opinion, and everyone has a right to listen to mine. Uh, but leave leave the message at, ready, 855-640-2092. 855-640-2092. And I might just play your message on the show. So you could be uh, you could be famous for uh, for talking talking bad about me or talking good so uh, also uh, let me introduce in the studio for those of you that weren't with us at part one uh my co-host uh, mr scott mcafee uh proprietor of don's bikes in redlands and rialto and uh also you know one of the top two uh political uh an- an- anal- analysts, analysts analysts on the radio <laughs> And uh, Scott, welcome back to part two. Ed, it's great to be back in the house. All right. So, hey, if you pay any attention to conservative media at all, then you know there's a war on free speech. And on our nation's college campuses over the past year, we've seen protests against everyone from Ann Coulter to Gavin McGinnis to Milo Yiannopoulos. And uh, these aren't peaceful grassroots protests. Uh they're they're rather uh, gnarly. These are organized events that attract hundreds, sometimes thousands of people who are loud, destructive, violent. Uh, destructive is uh, is uh, is a minor word. Scott has uh, has gotten involved in the movement against the assault on free speech, and uh, he's here to tell us about an event he's involved in this weekend. Absolutely. So if you're hearing this broadcast on Saturday, we're going to have an event. Uh, it's put on by a group called Make California Great Again, and these are basically comprised of the people that worked on the Trump campaign uh, throughout the election cycle. And now they've kind of formed this new group. It's Make California Great Again. And and they're kind of committed to keeping the agenda going, particularly in the state of California. I mean, we're kind of behind enemy lines here, aren't we, Ed? Yeah, For the exactly. most part, living in California. And, and we got a big job to do to make California great again. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. So uh, there is an event coming up on Sunday. That will be July the 9th. And it's going to be in Garden Grove, California. Um, it's actually called the, um, it's called the, it's a, it's actually a speaking event. Uh, we're going to have Larry Elder as our head liner. It's called the Summer of Conservatism. And if you want to find out more about it, you just go on to makecaligreat.org. Uh, I will be the MC 
for this event. So we've got uh, got a lot of great speakers. It's going to be a fun thing. Uh, we hope you can make it. It's going to be from 11 to 5 in Garden Grove. The address is 11767 Harbor Boulevard. It's at the Embassy Suites in Garden Grove, Embassy Suites, Garden Grove, 11767 Harbor Boulevard, or go onto the website, makecaligreat.org, and you can register. Um, so if you again, if you're hearing this broadcast on Saturday, we hope to see you out there. Uh, it's going to be great. Again, Larry Elder is going to be our keynote speaker. So I get to MC for Larry Elder, Ed. That's going to be pretty uh, cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah, so it's, way cool. it's make Cali, C-A-L-I. C-A-L-I great.org. Make Cali great.org. That's where you can go register. And I think that what you were talking about earlier, as far as the free speech issue, uh, this really was a very relevant to the event that I just uh, told you guys about. And I really, we want everybody to come out to this event and support it, uh, support the organization. But, but this really came to a head because we had a venue all set up in Santa Ana. We had, they had a deposit down on it. We were all set to go. And then we get a letter from the owners of the arena. It's called Esports Arena in Santa Ana. And I'm going to read this letter to everybody on the air because I want everybody to hear this and, up and understand what we as conservatives are up against right now. So here's the letter. And, and I'll start with it. it says, hello, Victor. And Victor, by the way, was one of the individuals that was helping to put this event together. So here's the letter from the arena. Unfortunately, we are going to have to release your venue rental and return your deposit. I am deeply sorry, but we cannot risk all of the additional liability to the venue and our personnel. After finding out about the event, numerous highly placed people in the Santa Ana and game developer community started leaving negative reviews and comments all over our social media profiles. These people began rallying others to protest and boycott our establishment, going as far as to begin organizing fights. As a startup, this is a risk we cannot take to our reputation. After multiple attempts to reform esports arena's neutrality in politics on our part, we have found that these attacks have just increased. They have made personal threats against the owners of esports arena and have located their homes and social media profiles. Victor, again, I am deeply saddened by having to release your event. It's just a risk we're not in place to take at this point after what we've seen. Best regards. So this is what we're dealing with now, Ed. Esports Arena. Esports Arena. It's in Santa Ana. Um, and you know, look, the point is that, and I, I get it, as a business owner, no one wants to lose money. No one wants to be harassed personally. You don't want to have your business harassed. But at the end of the day, if you don't stand up and stand for something, what do you stand for? Exactly. I know that a lot of people have, uh, you know what, uh, when I started this show nine and a half years ago, um, one of my one of my friends who's a coal banker uh, broker he owns about uh, five or six different uh, uh, franchises of of, of uh, real estate offices and he said you know Ed he goes I stand shoulder to shoulder with you politically he goes but aren't you a little concerned about being out there with your political beliefs like that for your business and I said uh, no because the people anybody that is offended by anything I say either a doesn't listen to this radio station and b can't afford to buy a house anyway because they don't have a job. <laughs> so I mean anybody anybody who's anybody who's trying, you know, should feel encouraged by anything I'm saying. Hey, you know what? You got to pay your own bills. You got to go to work. You got to do this, and then you got to buy a house. You know what? A lot of them call call me and say, Hey, you know what? I listen to your show. Uh, I just want to see where I'm at, what I should be doing, so I can buy a house in the next year or the next two years or something. You know, so I have not had, you know, we, we have a big portrait of Ronald Reagan in our lobby of Wholesale Capital, and some people either come in and don't say anything if they're Democrats or they say something. The only only comments I've ever heard are positive. Wow, I knew I was in the right place when I walked in and saw Ronnie there. 
Well, but, you, you but know, people are afraid. Right. No, people are afraid. And look, for me, it's like the last thing I want to do is take time out of my life and go like try and shut down somebody else's venue. I welcome if the commies want to go have their own little meeting somewhere and a rally or speakers venue, then go for it. I'm not going to waste time out of my personal life to go try and shut down their venue. So this and, and I thought we were the ones that were supposed to be the fascists, right? Because they're, I mean, they're the ones that are yeah, trying to shut exactly. us down. We, we, you know, we're all for free speech. They're trying to shut us down. It's kind of ironic. I thought we were the fascists. Yeah, and you see and you see when you go to these when you see these protesters they all have nice professionally made uh, uh signs george and stuff. Soros so you, know, you know you know that george soros and and the 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 uh change.org people are are behind it because they're putting up the money to come up with these these posters so everybody looks so everybody looks professional doesn't look like a ragtag team of of nobodies uh but basically you know hey 50 bucks go stand in go stand out in front of this place right exactly exactly so uh, so that's uh, coming up on uh, Sunday. It starts at 11. Yep, starts at 11 to M- 5. NBC Su- Suites, if you want to uh, get more information, makecalligreat.org. That's right. My stand-up routine alone will be worth the 30 bucks admission. Oh, it costs oh, cost to get into this well, thing? Well, it does. Oh, it does. forget that. <laughs> well, that'll keep the Democrats out because they, they don't have any jobs. Exactly. We don't accept EBT cards, so that kind of rules them out. So speaking of campus protests, we have another guest on today who knows a thing or two about these, th- these events. Kyle Chapman otherwise known on the internet as the based stickman. Yep. The based stickman. I thought it was something else. But uh, first, I knew it was the stickman. First, first we heard about Kyle when he was arrested at UC Berkeley rally back in March for hitting a violent anti-Trump protester over the head with a stick, which, uh, I, which I applaud. He was wearing a helmet, shield, and respirator mask, adding to the mystery of his identity, and almost instantly he became a conservative folk hero for fighting off liberal thug protesters. This week, Kyle made news again at a rally in uh, Texas. He tells us more th- of that in a minute. Kyle, welcome to the main event. Hey, gentlemen, thank you for having me. Yep, uh, we're we're happy to have you. We only wish we were on TV so people could see uh, see your uh, your stature. You're not a small guy. Uh, you and I met in uh, at the Unite IE conference, uh, conservative conference, a couple months back. Uh, where we had uh, there was a uh, Larry Elder and, and Dennis uh, Prager, Dennis Prager, yep. and uh, a few other people. Take us take us back to that fateful day in in Berkeley on March fourth when you saw these thug protesters hurting people and decided to do something about it. I understand uh, the pro-Trump people were getting uh, pepper sprayed by the anti-Trump thugs, including an elderly man, and you stepped in. Well, well, first of all, let's let's call these people what they are. Uh, this group is 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 known as Antifa. And uh, they started in in the 1930s Germany. Uh, they are essentially a communist organization, and uh, they are a domestic, an international domestic terrorist organization. And they have assassinated people in places like uh, Greece, where they have very heavy presence. So these aren't just uh, leftist thugs. These are domestic terrorists. They are highly organized and uh, and highly uh, and well funded by organizations like George Soros and the Ford Foundation. Uh, you know, so you know their modus operandi is political violence. They fit the very definition of uh, terrorists and or domestic terrorists. So, uh, you know, let's stop calling them uh, leftist thugs. That's, that's just not an accurate description. So, leading up. To the Berkeley, uh, what we like to call the first battle of Berkeley. Uh, I had been on the sidelines. I've been politically active my whole life, and uh, I had stayed on the sidelines for a while. 
I had just had a, a newborn son. You know, right around the time Trump started running for president, and uh, knowing me and my nature, I knew that if I were to show up to any of these uh, rallies that Trump was having, and uh, you know, these violent uh, domestic terrorists would have showed up. Obviously, the way I'm wired, uh, I'm going to jump into action. Uh, there, there's just, you know, no other way I, I, I can react in a situation like that. It's sounds kind of like uh, me in Washington, D.C., and Scott, Scott, my wife and Scott and his wife were having to hold me back on from engaging with the, uh, with the hateful uh, pink hat ladies the day after the inauguration. <laughs> don't engage, Ed, don't engage. Yeah. We're going to get beat up. Yeah, no, yeah, the, the hateful pink hat ladies are a bit, <laughs> a, 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 a bit uh, mundane in comparison to these people. These are masked thugs. They dress like ISIS. They dress all in black. They cover their face uh, because their whole intention of showing up is to commit political violence against those that disagree with them. Anyone who is right of Karl Marx is a fascist and a racist. So. I, I had stood down for a while. Like I said, I am hardwired to react certain ways in certain situations. And when I see my conservative right-wing brothers and sisters under assault, I am going to jump into action. There's, there's just It doesn't matter what the odds are, how big the people I'm going to be fighting. I'm going to get in there and jump into action. So I held off. And the straw that broke the camel's back was the uh, riots at Milo Yiannopoulos event at Berkeley, uh, watching this poor girl get pepper sprayed in the face. Uh, one of the Proud Boys, uh, well, many of the Proud Boys were assaulted, but one video in particular, uh, as this, this young man was lying unconscious on the ground, a mob of Antifa were walking by and smashing him in the head with rocks. And, and, and clubs as he lied there unconscious. This guy is a member of my Proud Boy chapter here in the Bay Area, and he has a dent in his head, several very large uh, gashes uh, that are now scars. Um, and just the, the level of intolerance and the stand down by, by police. Nobody was arrested. You had 350 masked Antifa domestic terrorists show up shut down this event and no one was arrested that told me right there that the berkeley police department is corrupt and that's not the officers themselves the ones i have met are are actually fantastic uh officers and and uh it, but it is the leadership the mayor and the police chief who all we have found out have connections to domestic or, uh, terrorist organizations such as bam by any means necessary who has a college, who has a presence on most college campuses, and Antifa. So that was a straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, when I heard about this event happen, happening March 4th, I knew the same thing was going to happen. Uh, so I, I showed up. Uh, originally, I did not have a helmet, goggles, or respirator on. Honestly thought uh, it might look a little bit ridiculous, but I did bring those items in my backpack knowing that uh, I might need them at some point. I had a shield. The reason why I had a shield is I studied Antifa for about a month beforehand, and I saw that they use shields. And obviously the effectiveness of a shield 
in a riot situation where you are outnumbered three to one. So uh, after being pepper sprayed three times, I finally donned the helmet, goggles, and respirator and uh, jumped into action. And, uh, and we, were, we were being totally overwhelmed. We were outnumbered three to one. Uh, most of our people were women. We had a lot of elderly, um, you know, and uh, a lot of respect to those old guys. Those hey, old guys were were tough. Hey Kyle, when you're when you're guys. going when you're going into a into a uh, you know a a gang fight, you're supposed to you're supposed to leave the elderly home and bring some young guys with you. Well, you know, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, when we the organizers of this event did not, I did not organize this event. They did not make aware uh, our attendees of the massive potential violence that they were going to incur. I was constantly on the uh, organizational, you know, the uh, the event page telling people, look, this is going to get bad. Everybody bring it any kind of legal self-defense you can. Um, but, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons I showed up is I knew these people were going to be caught unaware. So, so, this, so you say but, legal, legal self-defense. I can legally carry, I can legally carry a gun in California. Do you recommend? Uh, do you recommend showing up carrying a gun? Well, if you have a concealed and carry license, I absolutely recommend uh, showing up carrying that. Uh, you know, having that weapon uh, concealed for worst case scenarios. As we move closer to the 2020 elections, I can promise you that this level of political violence is going uh, to intensify. Uh, it's going to get much worse if Trump is for real. Uh, the globalists, the powers that be, are, are are peeing their pants at the prospect of a Trump in his second term. As we know, presidents are most dangerous in their second term, and that's when Trump is truly going to drain the swamp. They do not want that to happen. They are going to pull out all the stops to prevent him from getting a second term. Well, so, yeah, I'm so excited I showed up. that. I'm excited about a second term. I'm not so excited about what's going to lead up to this second term. We are potentially looking at a civil war-like uh, environment. Um, and from what we've seen moving up to this, they are pushing this race war type uh, rhetoric really hard. It's all you hear coming from MSNBC, uh, the mainstream media. You've got movie after movie after movie coming out. Where, where whites are being depicted as, as this horrible, oppressive, you know, race or group of people that just need to be eliminated, uh, you know, and, and this is a tactic that goes back, you know, you know, for decades. It, it, it is so by the left is constantly sowing racial division. So I think that's what we're going to be looking at. But back to the first battle of Berkeley, uh, you know, I jumped into action. Uh, we were being completely overwhelmed. Uh, we had already had a, uh, a, a an 80 year old gentleman. He was knocked out, and he was he was then stomped out by about seven Antifa, you know, that were in their 20s and early 30s, you know. And the guy had a cane, you know. And that that's how these people operate. There is no honor. There is no oh, that's a woman, don't punch her, or that's an elderly. You maybe we'll just go around them. It it. It, it doesn't work like that. Okay. You know, these, these people are—they go after every. They go after everyone. Right. They're I'm animals. Looking, I'm looking at a picture of you in Austin from this week. 
at a Trump impeachment rally and looking at it, it looks like it look it made it all the way to the UK Guardian. It looks like you're being choked by one of these guys and he's hiding behind a Halloween yeah, mask. Yeah, that's actually not accurate. Uh, all those mints you see behind me, that's part of my organization called the Alt Knights. Uh, I formed them up not long after the Battle of Berkeley. We are we are growing exponentially. Um, and those men are actually holding me back from a leftist who, uh, who, you know, we were trying to take a group picture after the, uh, after our rally and the guy came up, got in front of the picture. I kind of got up and got in front of him and he puts his arm around me and pulls him in towards me. The one thing you don't do, you don't touch me, man. And especially if you're an opposition figure, you don't come up to me and put your arms around me. You don't put your hands on me. So the guy in the, so the guy in the skull mask is. Uh, so is... that's that's my man, and they're holding me back from going after the dude that came up and put his hands on me. Okay. It looks like your arms in a sling. Is that a sling or is that body armor? That's no, that's a sling. Did you hurt yourself? The, at the second battle of Berkeley, we've had three events at Berkeley. The uh, the second battle of Berkeley is when uh, we were much better prepared. I had rallied uh, warriors from all over the country uh, to show up and uh, and defend our First Amendment rights. Um, during that that battle, I, I knocked somebody out, and in the process uh, of, of knocking someone out, I detached my bicep muscle from the humerus. Uh, I just got around to fixing that. All right. You mean you had to? You broke your bicep tendon? I I detached it completely from the bone. <laughs> Wow. All right. Okay. We got we got about four minutes left. I want to hit you with a couple of questions. Um, obviously, yes, things are heating up. And it's interesting, too. I thought of you when I was driving home one day and I was listening to Dennis Prager talk. And Prager was talking about how, like, if your house is on fire and the fire department's not putting it out, you're going to want to put it out yourself. And he's talking specifically about these Berkeley events. And obviously, you represent kind of the the, the spearhead of, of the response back of how we're going to supposedly fight back. But I also think, too, I mean, in, in situations like this where you have uh, we have mobs of people. Things can get out of control, obviously, very quickly. I mean, do you have rules for engagement? Because, you know, I mean, Republicans are being shot, right? We have, we have people now in hospitals that are being shot at for being Republicans. Are there rules that you have for your team when you go into situations like this? Yes, absolutely. We work in a defensive capacity always. Um, we don't, we don't, we're, we're rarely ever the aggressors. And if you watch the videos, you'll see that uh, that to be the case. You know, we had three battles, uh, three events at Berkeley. Two events, the domestic terrorist group known as Antifa showed up, and there was massive violence. Uh, they might have got the better of us the first time, but the second time, we handed them their asses and we chased them blocks on down the road and absolutely humiliated them. The third event we had... Uh, Antifa didn't show up. They, they came within about, we had spotters everywhere. They came within about three blocks of the park, circled the park. We knew where they were the whole time. There was not one instance of violence. The reason is, is the violent leftists did not show. It wasn't because we showed up in a liberal enclave and exercised our First Amendment rights, you know, and, and we're not the ones looking for violence. If we were, I could have gotten 60, 70 of my men went out after Antifa, we knew where they are at, and we could have engaged them. We didn't do that. We don't come to these places looking for violence. We come looking to exercise our First Amendment right and stand up against the systematic oppression 
of right-wing thought, people of right-wing thought and ideology that is across the spectrum in this country. It goes from the media to the academia to law enforcement, the government. It's ridiculous. I can't walk down San Francisco or Berkeley with a Trump hat on or Trump shirt on without threat of being violently assaulted. There is something very wrong with that, and we have to stand up against it. Well, for sure. And you're going to be joining us for our event on Sunday. I want to point that out as well. So we'll get a chance to hear you speak. Uh, final questions, Ed? Uh, yeah. After after your uh, summer of conservatism, uh, what's next? Well, I have a, I have another group down in Southern California at Old World. Uh, going to be speaking with Joe Biggs, um, a few other people. That's going to be on, a, I believe, the 27th. And I'm, I'm taking it easy. I, I, I've got this, this arm that I have to rehab. The, uh, the surgery is a, it, it, it's a very sketchy surgery. Like my chances of recovery, uh, if I get 70% of my arm strength back in, in motion, I'll be very lucky. So if you get I'm 70% focus, of your arm strength back, you'll still be twice as strong as most, the most, the <laughs> Antifa people. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, and don't don't need, listen. A lot of people you see these Antifa, they're a bunch of skinny little social justice warriors, but do not un- underestimate them. The one thing that is very real about this terrorist organization is their level of hatred is real. Okay, it, we- it's it's unreal. Okay, you, okay, you so- look in their eyes. You know, you put rocks and sticks in the hands of these people in a mob mentality. They're very dangerous. It right. doesn't matter that they're 140 pounds. Kyle, I will see you on Sunday. Uh, MakeCaliGreat.org is where you can go register for this event. Be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we'll Me, Larry Elder. You. We'll also follow up with you uh, uh, in, in, the future, in the future and have you back on the show as well, Kyle. Hey, uh, That'd be great. I'd be honored to come back, guys. Thanks, All Kyle. Right. We're out of time for this, uh, for this episode of the main event. So uh, hopefully we'll see you out there Sunday at the Embassy Suites. MakeCaliGreat.org. And uh, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. I'll be back again with you next week. The content of this program is not intended to be legal advice. The views expressed are those of Ed Hoffman and his invited guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 01147747 and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions. MB Number 09699.